This is a Federal News Network podcast. Each year, the holiday buying season brings a raft of phony and counterfeit goods into the country. And each year, Immigration and Customs Enforcement's Intellectual Property Rights Coordination Center works to stop them. Here with this year's update, the Deputy Director of the Center, Ricardo Mayorel. Mr. Mayorel, good to have you on. Morning, Tom. Pleasure to be in here. So these fake properties, it's watches and handbags and all kinds of stuff that comes in every year. How is it that you are able to determine what is counterfeit when containers are stacked to the sky in all of the nation's ports these days? The first thing we do is we partner with Customs and Border Protection to provide them with targeting data and targeting criteria to better sort among the millions of cargo containers that are coming in every day to our country, right? And the millions of pieces of mail that come into our country, right? To sort of sort, you know, between the legitimate commerce and materials that are coming into the U.S. and try to differentiate between the legitimate products and the counterfeit and pirated goods. So we work hand in hand with them to specifically try to build targeting criteria to identify, interdict, and seize those goods And out of those interdictions, then in hand with CBP, that information, those leads are then passed to ICE Homeland Security Investigations. So then we can further and start investigating, you know, the manufacturers, the suppliers, the entire chain of supply that brought that counterfeit pirated good into the U.S. And if I'm a French or Italian, say, luxury products manufacturer with one of the famous names, and, you know, I'm going to ship things to the United States and that's easy to trace, and you can discover the ship, and you can discover the container, and so forth. But if I'm counterfeiting Louis Vuitton bags in China, what's to stop me from putting them in a container and saying they're chicken livers? Really, unfortunately, you know, every country has their own laws regarding how to ship and export into other countries. I mean, we have our own laws, right? And that's one of the biggest dangers when we're dealing with counterfeit and pirated goods, that all those goods are not manufactured using U.S. standards and codes, right? So a lot of these products that we see, you know, can actually be harmful to the consumer, right? And it also goes to harm our U.S. economy. So going back to the sample of, you know, this counterfeit purses that come from China or some other country in Asia, right? We work with the manufacturers. The manufacturer provides to us and CBP the legitimate description of their product so we can compare the legitimate characteristic of what the real product should look like vis-a-vis the product that we encounter, you know, at the ports of entry. So that helps us determine which one is the the real one versus the counterfeit pirated one. So at some point in the process, you actually open up boxes and handle the things and say, compare A, B, this is the one that was made in France, and this is the one that was made God knows where. You are 100% correct on that one. What about the distribution of these things? I guess that you try to prevent them from getting into distribution because in recent years, we now know that the big online marketplaces are sometimes sluice ways for counterfeit goods, but they're already in the country at that point. Right. Like I was saying, I mean, we work hand in hand with CBP trying to sort out, you know, between legitimate commerce and counterfeit and pirated goods, right? So a lot of those cases, like I mentioned before, result in investigations by the IPR center, which is the center that I'm the deputy assistant director of, right? One of the things that we target is, you know, the distribution networks here in the U.S. Specifically, one of the main things that that we have encountered, like you mentioned, is the use of social media 
and e-commerce platforms to sell these products. And in that particular regard, we have partnered through our e-commerce working group with the major e-commerce platforms, with Cypress Association, to have them work hand in hand with us in how to better share data among themselves. Because one of the things that we have found, right, that has facilitated the movement of these goods here in the U.S. is that a lot of the platforms are not talking to each other. So you'll see a third-party vendor selling counterfeit and pirated goods in Amazon, right? And Amazon will do their due diligence and will shut them down. But then you will see the same vendor selling their products on eBay, right? And eBay is having the same problem with the same vendor, but they are not talking to each other. They don't know that, right? And we're working in collaboration with them to specifically create a method of sharing information, not only among themselves, but then that that data can be shared with investigative agencies here in the IPR center so we can then investigate and go after the bad actors. And by the way, what are the top 10, say, most counterfeited goods? Tom, the top 10 counterfeit items that we have encountered are, you know, consumer electronics, apparel, sunglasses, pharmaceutical, automotive parts, batteries, cigarettes, and gun parts, believe it or not. We're speaking with Ricardo Mayoral. He is deputy director of the National Intellectual Property Rights Coordination Center at Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. And, of course, we've been talking about, you know, luxury goods that might be faked, but phony pharmaceuticals, that's really become a major concern in recent years also, hasn't it? And does that get worse at the holiday time? Well, at the holiday times, while we see the trends through the holiday season are, you know, uh, you know consumer electronics, you know, being sold, you know, through the uh, e-commerce platforms. We see a lot of counterfeit Christmas ornaments, counterfeit toys. Those are the trends that we usually see, you know, the main articles uh, that we see that are being counterfeit during the holiday season, right? And the new trend is selling all these pirated goods through the e-commerce platforms. So every year is different. And then when it comes to pharmaceuticals and counterfeit medicines, that's sort of kind of like a year around kind of thing, right? It's not limited to Christmas and shopping season, right? And in that regard, same that, you know, we're doing uh, with the e-commerce platforms, we have partnered up with the uh, pharmaceutical companies to precisely sit down with them and make sure that we have the information of what their legitimate products look like. Like there's a lot of legitimate products now being created to combat COVID-19, right? So we have partnered up with our pharmaceutical companies to make sure that we have the description of the legitimate product so we can compare it when we uh, go and, and do inspections at the ports of entry so we can determine right there on the spot which one is fake, which one is the real pharmaceutical product that is being brought into the U.S. And just out of curiosity, are food items and, say, alcoholic beverages, are those also counterfeited? Everything has been counterfeit at any given point in time, right? We haven't seen alcohol products being counterfeit, but we have seen a lot of consumable goods being counterfeit. As a matter of fact, two days ago, we had a major seizure working with CBP in New York of baby formula coming into the U.S., not following U.S. safety standards, right? And that is a hazard, a tremendous hazard. So our main priority here at the IPR Center is health and safety, Anything that can be dangerous to the consumer, that's our main priority. And with the backup in shipping that's happened, all of the supply chain buzz that's going on, has that made it easier or more difficult with things backed up in ports and sitting on ships at sea? 
I mean, the work continues to be done. There has been a, a major delay, right, as we all know, but that hasn't stopped the efforts of DHS in combating the counterfeit and pirated goods that are still coming into the U.S. It might have caused delays in the supply chain of things, but not in our enforcement efforts. And aside from the baby food that was faked, is there anything else that comes to mind that you've seen in recent weeks that really shows a lot of chutzpah on the part of people trying to get stuff in here? Yeah, listen, consumer electronics is now, especially during the shopping season, I mean, we're seeing a lot of those power cords that are fake, ear pods that are fake, things that are not built to U.S. safety standards and can be dangerous. They can catch fire, you know, lithium batteries that catch fire because they're counterfeit and not the real thing. So buyer beware. This is a problem that we cannot just arrest our way out of it. And we do have a lot of arrests, like in fiscal year 2020, we ended up arresting 322 people for IPR violations. But it has to be a multi-pronged approach. Education is the main piece. That's why we created our holiday shopping guide so the consumer is aware of what to look for. Again, we can do all the interdictions, all the seizures, arrests, but at the end of the day, you know, the best prevention is education. That's why we do interviews. We put these tools out there so people are aware of what's out there. And do you also enlist the retailers in this whole protective kind of scheme? Absolutely. Retailers are key. Private industry is key. Private industry, like I mentioned, I gave you a couple of examples before. We're partnering up with the pharmaceutical industry and the e-commerce platforms. Industry is key. I mean, a lot of the leads that we get that get our investigation started come from the private sector, either retailers or manufacturers. That information has to come to us because, I mean, we know what we know, right? We cannot be everywhere all the time, even though we try, right? But no, it's through retailers, it's through private sector partnerships that we get a lot of the information that leads to investigation. Well, we're glad you're on the job. Ricardo Mayoral is Deputy Director of the National Intellectual Property Rights Coordination Center at Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I 
went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, 
his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to to spend an assignment with uh, with backup and and guidance like that. What what great great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WAPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.